Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, folks, we're looking at the seven letters. And the seven letters were letters that were written, not in a prophetic sense, but there really were letters that Jesus was sending to seven churches that actually existed who had actual problems or who maybe actually were doing some good things. And he he writes each of them a personal letter. And from those letters, we can glean a lot for our lives. So let's think about it. We've already looked at three of the churches. The first church, the church at Ephesus, Jesus pointed out that they had forgotten their first love. They, they were basically serving, doing the Christian thing, but they forgot the reason why they were doing it, that they were doing it for Jesus. They forgot that. So he talks to them about how they can get that love back. The next church was the church at Smyrna, and it was a church that was undergoing a lot of problems and difficulties. And, and he basically comes along and says, don't be afraid about what you're going to suffer. I know what's going on. You just be faithful. Last week, we looked at the church at Thyatira, and, and they were a church that was tolerating the intolerable. They were tolerating stuff. Oh, maybe they were doing good. They were doing good in their spiritual lives, but they were overlooking things that were wrong in their lives. And so Jesus was telling them what they needed to do about that. This week, we're going to look at a different church. It's the church at Sardis. And if I could describe this church, it's, it's in the title of our message today, The Walking Dead. And I'm not talking about the TV series. These, these are not physical zombies, although you might say that they're spiritual zombies. What do you mean by that, George? Well, this is a church that actually had some problems. And so Jesus is going to talk with them about their problems. And it may be that as we look at this letter, the Spirit may actually say to you that this is your problem. And this is something that you need to struggle with. Well, I'm not a zombie, George. I'm not, I'm not, forget about what you see on TV. Let's look and see what God's Word says. And notice what Jesus is saying to this church. So we're in chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 1 to 6. Let's look at it together. Chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you're dead. Be watchful, strengthen the things which remain, that you are ready to die for I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments." And I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father 
and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, folks, with these letters, they all follow the same pattern. We see that there's actually four parts. We see, first of all, that it's him where Jesus identifies himself, and he always identifies himself, and this is especially true today with this letter, he always identifies himself in a way that relates to whatever he wants to talk to them about. So we see it's him. The next thing we're going to see is is that what he knows, he always expresses what he knows about him, and folks, what I want you to understand is when you look at each one of these letters, when he says, I know, the reality is, is that God, Jesus, knows everything about you. Nothing is hidden. Jesus knows everything about you, period. In fact, he knows more about you than you even know about yourselves. He knows everything about you. Then what we're going to see is what they must do. He always tells them, after revealing the problem, or even with telling them what they're doing right, he always tells them, what do they need to do? See, here's the thing I want you to understand. God in his word just doesn't reveal the problem. He always tells you what you need to do about it, how to get back in line with him, how to get back into that relationship. And then the final part is the promise, the thing that should be the incentive for why we need to do that. He's going to give a promise. So let's look at this word together. Look at verse 1. We're going to see how he identifies himself. Look at what he says, verse 1 of chapter 3. These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. You say, wait a minute, George, hold on a second. What in the world is he talking about? The seven spirits of God. What is that? Well, in the book of Revelation, that is a common phrase, and here's what it refers to. It refers to the Holy Spirit. The seven spirits of God refer to the Holy Spirit. So here he's saying, "Here I am he who has the Holy Spirit. Then he says he has the seven stars. What does that refer to? Well, in the end of chapter 1, we know that the seven stars are the seven messengers or seven pastors of those churches. Seven messengers or seven pastors. So here's what I want you to see. Two things about who he is, and it has relevance to you and I when we're talking about the issue of being the walking dead. Here's what I want you to see. Number one, Jesus gives direction to the Holy Spirit. Jesus gives direction to the Holy Spirit. And you say, okay, George, what's so big and important about that? Well, I want you to think about it for a moment. If you go, in your mind, if you go back to John chapter 13, 14, 15, and 16, Jesus in the upper room tells his disciples, I'm going away. You can't come with me. And of course, they're sad that the master is leaving. But he says, when I go away, I will send to you another comforter. I will send somebody else just like me, and he will guide you. He will teach you all things that you need to know. Who is he talking about? The Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. See, this is the point I want you to see. The Holy Spirit is given directions by Jesus himself. He is the one who directs the Holy Spirit. Now, why is that important to you and I? Well, we're going to talk about people who have a reputation of being alive, but they're actually spiritually dead. They're walking 
They're like walking dead spiritually. Why is that important? Did you understand that Jesus is the one who gives direction for the Holy Spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit is the one, if you are a believer here, he enters into your life the moment you get saved, and it's the Holy Spirit who gives direction to your life. Jesus is the one who gives direction to the Holy Spirit. So Jesus wants to be intimately involved in your life as a believer here. Now that's going to be important later when we see what he's going to tell us to do. He gives direction to the Spirit. Here's the second thing I want you to see in his title. He says he has the seven stars. Jesus has authority and gives direction to the pastors. Jesus has authority and gives direction to the pastors. See, you have one key component that's already mentioned, been mentioned now concerning your spiritual life. That is the Holy Spirit. Here's the other key component. And it's because of the group of believers that you gather with, whether you gather in this church or you gather in another church. This is the reason why you're here this morning, is to hear from a pastor. What? so that that pastor can give you direction as he's been communing with God and listening to the Spirit about what to bring to you. It is Jesus who gives direction to the pastor and to the elders to guide you in your what? Your spiritual life. Do you understand what I'm saying? The elders are to direct you and to shepherd you in your what? Spiritual life. Do you understand what I'm saying? He is the one who has authority over the elders. He is the one who gives direction to the elders for your what? Spiritual life. Do you understand what I'm saying? For your spiritual life. So, okay, that's who he is. Notice now what he knows. And I think this is interesting. Look at what he says. Verse 1. I know your works. That you have a name. That you are alive. But you are dead. Two things come out of this passage. That's all he says. He says, I know your works. I know what's going on with your life. I know that you have a name, that you are alive. What he's talking about here, spiritually alive. You've got a reputation of being, having the spiritual thing together. But he says, the fact of the matter is, is you're dead. Now, I'm going to stop for a moment. The spiritual death that he's talking about here is not like someone who is an unbeliever, because oftentimes unbelievers are referred to those as who are being dead spiritually. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking to Christians who have gotten to a place in their life where basically they're spiritually dead. Not like in a sense of an unbeliever, but in a sense, well, let's look at it. Two things he's going to point out here. Number one, he says this. He knows that they have the appearance of being spiritually alive. He knows that they have the appearance of being spiritually alive. What are you talking about there, George? Well, here's the thing, folks. I was just, I don't know, I was, I was having a conversation with one of my kids here uh, within the last few days, and I was talking about being a believer for 32 years. So I've been a believer for 32 years. I've been a pastor for over 20 now. Now, listen to me. I want you to hear me. You can come to church... And as you come to church and as you get involved in church, I think everybody's aware of this, you can present yourself in church as you've got your act together. Do you know what I'm talking about? You know the Christian lingo. You know how to pray. And people just slap you on the back. Oh, aren't you great? Aren't you wonderful? And and you can appear to people to look like you've got your act together spiritually. 
Because all they know is what they see for the one hour that you're here on Sunday morning, right? They don't interact with you during the week. And so you can have this appearance like you've got it together spiritually. In fact, you may have that appearance, and, and everybody thinks that you are where you should be spiritually. Do you understand what I'm saying? But here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, I know who you are. I know everything about you. And I know that you have a name of having it together. But the reality is, that's just the facade. That's just the appearance. I know who you really are. In fact, here's the second thing he says. Second thing he says here, what he knows. However, Jesus knows that they're actually spiritually dead. They're actually spiritually dead. I I hate to say it. Let me just go ahead and say it. Church really creates an atmosphere where hypocrisy thrives. Do you know what I'm saying? Church really creates an atmosphere where hypocrisy thrives. Because the fact of the matter is, is, and I've known this because I've had people tell me this through the years, I even know from my own life. You can drive up to church. In fact, you woke up this morning and you were having a major bad hair day. You know what I'm saying? You poured your bowl of Wheaties and you found out there was nothing but rusty nails in there. And, and it didn't taste good to you today. In fact, on the way over here, the kids were driving you crazy. You were, they were plucking your last nerve. And, and everything was, I mean, even you and your spouse, who normally get together so wonderful on Sunday morning, you guys are nitpicking about who's driving what, how they're driving, who's turning the radio, how loud the radio is, and, and until you drove into the parking lot, and then everything changed. Actually, before you walked right into the door. When you walked in the door, the smiles came on. Everything was perfect. You would have never thought that who you were right now in church was the same person who was in that vehicle before you showed up. See, church creates an atmosphere for what? Hypocrisy. Because every one of us knows this. Listen to me. Every one of us knows this, that when you come to church, you're not supposed to be real. You're supposed to be what? spiritual and like everything's going okay and God is blessing and isn't that wonderful but here's what I want you to understand that's what we portray on the outside but on the inside we're the mess on the inside we're we're chaos did you understand what I'm saying on the inside we're we're trying to keep it together we're trying to get control of our emotions but that's reality don't we we want to portray ourselves as something we're not But the problem is is Jesus sees right through it. Now, here's why that's a problem. Because that fake facade of looking like we have our act together, but in reality that we don't, for a lot of us, we rest in that as far as being our spirituality. We think that'll carry us. The way that we appear, and everybody thinks we've got it together, when in reality we don't, we think that actually carries us, but it doesn't. Jesus is not interested in how you're acting. He's interested in who you really are. And he's and, and his concern for them, he says, I know you got a name of having it together and you have this appearance, but the reality is, is you are dead. You're a mess. You need to see that. You're a mess. And for some of us here, I would include myself in that. We've got we've to realize who we really are. And the fact is, is that Jesus sees who we really are. 
He's not interested in how we appear. He's interested in who you really are. That's what's important to him. So what does he tell them to do? He's going to tell them to do. He's actually going to tell them to do two things. And this is what I want us to focus on. Look with me at verses 2 to 3. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come to you as a thief in the night, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. Number one, be aware and strengthen what is left of your spiritual life. Be aware and strengthen what is left of your spiritual life. Here's what he's saying. All right, so here you are. God's Spirit is saying to you, you know you're not real. You're not who you really are. I know that. You know that. Maybe nobody else knows that, but you know that. I know that. He's saying, be aware of it. So you, first of all, you've got to acknowledge it. You've got to acknowledge, yes, I'm not where I should be spiritually. You've got to acknowledge it. Be aware. And then he says, go and strengthen what is left of your spiritual life. It may be that the only thing that's left of your spiritual life is that maybe you do do a little bit of reading. Or maybe you do, maybe not as pray as much as you used to, but maybe you're praying just a little bit. You go and strengthen what's left of your spiritual life. Do you understand what I'm saying? You go and reinforce the little bit that you're doing right now. Do you understand? You don't just start off and say, well, I'm going to do what I used to do all the time. Have you ever tried that? It doesn't work. You find out that you fail real quick and you give up and you go back to the old way of doing it. He says, no, you are aware that you're not where you should be, but you reinforce the little bit that you're doing right now. You reinforce it. You make sure that you stay committed to the little bit that you're doing right now. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's what he's talking about here. Because you're almost ready to die spiritually. Now again, I'm not talking about spiritual death. The text is not talking about spiritual death in the terms of an unbeliever. It's talking about your whole spiritual life becoming nothing. So you strengthen the little bit that you're doing. That's what he's telling you here. That's the first thing he says. Be aware, strengthen what's left, because you're about to die spiritually. So let me just stop for a moment. This is not something that you can put off. This is the point of what he's saying here. Strengthen what remains, for you're about to die. It's serious. Get serious about your spiritual life. Don't put it off anymore. Strengthen what little bit you're doing right now, and then let God increase it even more. Do you understand what I'm saying? Then let God increase it even more. Here's the second thing he says. Remember and recommit yourself to the gospel, or you'll be judged. Now again, we're not talking about the judgment that takes place with an unbeliever. But when God judges you, that means he chastises you. What does that mean? Well, the way I used to say it is he takes you to the woodshed. Did you understand what I'm saying? God takes you to the woodshed. He disciplines you. So here's what he's saying. Remember. Remember what? Remember the gospel. Here's what happens. When you're just floating around and you're living in this facade of what everybody thinks you are rather than really who you are, you have forgotten something. And what you've forgotten is this, that Jesus Christ died for your sins and he saved you in spite of you. Not because of who you are, not because of what you've done, not because of what you haven't done, 
Do you understand what I'm saying? Not because your list of sins is small and, and your good deeds are bigger than that. It has nothing to do with who you are. It has to do with what Jesus did for you. And then you realize that he saved you in spite of you. Do you understand what I'm saying? He saved you in spite of you. You went to him by faith, recognizing Jesus, you paid it all. There's nothing I can do for this salvation. Nothing I can do. See, you, you remember the grace of God through the gospel and what salvation is. And you recommit yourself to that, to living your life based on that faith. It has nothing to do with me. It's your grace, Jesus. See, when you live in this facade, you think you've got it together. But folks, it has nothing to do with whether or not you have it together or not. It has to do with whether or not Jesus died for you. Do you understand? When you appear before him in the last day, he's not going to say to you, well, hey, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You got it together. No, nobody has it together. In fact, Lori and I had this conversation this week. We were talking about something, and I said to her, I said, you know, Lori, 32 years pastoring for this time, you know what, what we've come to the conclusion is this. And here's the thing, you want to write this down. Nobody is perfect. Write that down. Nobody is perfect. We have yet to ever meet a Christian or a Christian leader who had it totally together. I think of some of the most influential men in my life that I love very dearly and that I hold in such high regard. Many of them are with Jesus right now. The fact of the matter is they had their warts too. Nobody is perfect. Do you understand what I'm saying? Nobody is perfect. Here's the second part. Write this down. Everybody has their stuff. Do you hear me? So, well, then how do we make it? Well, you make it because you put your faith in the one who did it for you. That's who? Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? Your faith has to be in what Jesus did for you because you ain't perfect. Do you understand what I'm saying? You've got to remember. So the first thing is, is you strengthen what's left. Second thing is you remember and you recommit yourself to the gospel. Why? Because if you don't, if you just keep going along, floating on your laurels, thinking about this image that you're presenting is going to carry you through, Jesus is going to come along and he's going to get your attention. And he's going to get your attention at some point when you don't realize it. That's what the text is saying here. Look now at the promise. Why do we do this? Why do we do this? Why do I strive to be what he wants me to do? Why do I reinforce my spiritual life? He's going to give you a promise, two promises here. Look with me in verse 5. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. And I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now here's what he's doing. He's going to give us a promise here, twofold promise. And the reason why he gives us a twofold promise is this, okay? Because listen, he says, I'm the one, it's me, I'm the one who gives the Holy Spirit direction concerning what needs to happen in your life. I give the pastors direction. I have authority over the pastors. And I know that you're living your life in such a way that everybody thinks you've got your act together, but the reality is, is I know the truth. And the truth is, is you're not where you should be. And so you need to do something about it. You need to strengthen what little bit remains in your spiritual life because you're dying. And you need to remember and recommit yourself to the gospel of grace. Here's why you need to do it. 
two promises. Here's why you need to do it. Number one, he says, to those who overcome, those who overcome will be clothed in righteousness. You'll be clothed in white garments. What's White garments in the book of Revelation is a reference to the righteousness of Jesus. You're going to be given new clothes. Your old ones, in Zechariah, the prophecy is that the old garments that are stained with our sin are taken away and a new clothes New clothing is given. Here's the reason. The reason why you strengthen your spiritual life is that you realize one day when you overcome, when you have endured and you kept the faith until the end, Jesus is going to give you new garments. He's going to give you a clothing of righteousness that's not your own, but his righteousness. He doesn't see you based upon... Have you ever done this? you ever looked in the mirror? Sometimes you look in the mirror and you realize, and you talk to yourself, and you look at re- with regrets sometimes. Oh, yeah, wish I'd never done that. Wish I hadn't made that decision. Wish I, you, know, you know what I'm talking about? And when you look at yourself, you see, and especially you can get in this mindset, you see the mistakes you've made, the bad decisions. You remember. Here's the thing. Jesus says, to him who overcomes... You will be clothed in white garments, in his righteousness. You're not going to be seen based upon what you've done. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, seriously, have you ever come to, have you ever had this thought? I've had this thought. I wish I could go back and change that. You ever had that thought? I wish I could go back and change that. But you ever notice we can't? There is no time machine. And so you feel like I'm forever going to be seen based upon whatever it is. No, no. One day to him who overcomes, I will clothe you in white in righteousness. He clothes you. Isn't that awesome? This is why you need to get your life together spiritually. This is why you need to move towards Christ again. Strengthen what's there. Remember the gospel. Right? Here's the second thing he says. Won't you notice with me? Second thing. Those who overcome are assured of eternal life and will be recognized. Look at what he says. And I will not blot out his name from the book of life. What is the book of life? It is the registry of those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. You'll not be removed. You are assured of salvation. And not only that, look at what he says. I think this is wonderful. And I will, this is Jesus saying, I will confess his name before my Father and before the angels. You know what I see there when I see that? It's like, okay, one day, George, if Jesus comes back in the rapture and I go to him, or if I die, I'm going to be there with him. And Jesus is going to say, Father, this is George. I died for him. But he's not going to say, this is George who screwed up. This is George who did that big mess up. Remember, we had a discussion about that one. This is George. Welcome into the kingdom, George, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. Now be faithful over many things. He's going to confess you. Is that not awesome? Listen, folks. 
Quit living with the little bit of spiritual life that's going nowhere right now. Pursue the one who's going to confess you later on. He wants to have a relationship with you. Isn't that awesome? Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.